You put your all into delivering quality and value on time. And when your customer doesn't pay, it doesn't just hurt your feelings. It hurts your business. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect overdue receivables fast and treat your customers with respect. Go to MetCredit.com to get started. MetCredit, we get it. This is Overdue Advice, the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Everybody pay up. Welcome to Overdue Advice, the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. I'm Andrea Schwabi. If you're organized and attentive to your accounts receivable, collections can be an orderly process, but it's still stressful. The general impression is collections has a negative impact on business relationships. In fact, professional debt collection can actually reset and improve relationships with clients. But what happens when things go really off the rails? Now, we've got Canada covered, but we've never talked about the United States. Today, we're talking to a collections lawyer, so let's crunch some numbers. The United States sees just over 5,000 lawsuits per 100,000 people. In Canada, we see one-third as many, just 1,500 per 100,000. Now, that's a tough environment down south, but our guest today is among the best in his field. David Cook is a collections lawyer based in San Francisco. Throughout his career, he's waded through small and large collection suits. He's written dozens of books, articles, and was familiar in news media when he won a large and very high-profile collection decision against a famous person with the initials OJ. We'll let him tell that story. When David Cook talks about his early life, it's clear he was on a path that was uniquely suited to the complexities of legal collections. He also has insights and advice for any business that wants to avoid legal collections. I spoke with David Cook on the phone from his office in San Francisco. The first thing I asked him was how he got into legal collections. I am the son of a, of a businessman who owned a series of retail stores. And then he got into real estate and moved from a real estate salesman to a broker, a broker to an investor, an investor to uh, 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 basically a property manager, and bought a series of properties. And I, like many sons, I, I grew up in his business. So when I got into law school and got out of law school here, I came out with more than just a law degree. I had a substantial experience in running a retail store, running a real estate operation, the banking that with it, you know, cash management, you name it, anything in business, it came through my hands by the time I was 25, including wonderful things like bills of lading, packing slips, letters of credit, all of this minutiae I had at my fingertips. And then when I got my, my first, actually my first real job was a collection lawyer collecting yellow freight bills, no less. And then I ended up working for the Board of Trade, which was an insolvency house, and where their premium was liquidating people's businesses, understanding their bank, banking, understanding their financial records, their transactions. So I did that for the first three and a half years as a lawyer. So I came out not as a world-class trial lawyer, but a world-class uh, lawyer with great knowledge of, the, of business and the depth of business has that. In other words, that, that's really my background. I mean, that's in, in the sense your father gave you the education before your formal education. C correct. So before I 
you know, sworn my swore myself as you know lawyers. You, you know, you swear to be a lawyer. I came out with with this knowledge, and therefore enabled me to do collection work and solvency work, and then have a good understanding of credit. How's that? It's a rare combination to be a businessman lawyer. Correct. And and that means when you make mistakes, you say, I should have known better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it is a unique perspective, I think. Yeah, it, it is. When I, I was a graduate of, uh, of UCLA, uh, uh, undergraduate, and as a undergraduate, I was blessed by taking accounting courses here, blessed by taking logic, which was essentially a math, glorified math course and uh, related matters, and that in clearly enabled me to understand a balance sheet, things like that, and, and, and going behind the balance sheet. So, as, a, as a collection lawyer, you've handled probably the most high-profile visible collection in history. I ended up representing Fred Goldman in collecting the civil judgment of the century, which is the $33 million judgment that Fred recovered against O.J. Simpson, which has been renewed and is now approximately $75 million. And when I came into that, uh, I knew that that would be a very difficult judgment. And we were able to, to succeed because it arose out of the book, If I Did It, if, if everybody remembers that. Mm-hmm. And that was the book that he... that. Uh, O.J. wished to publish in 2007, and it was through Harper Collins and the uh, Harper Collins and the imprint was Judith Reagan or Reagan Publishing. And the minute it it was about to be launched, everybody got pretty mad at O.J. because they said, "Why are you making money off the blood of others?" Uh, and he said, "Well, too bad. A, I, I was acquitted, and B, everybody else is doing it." Anyway, Harper Collins pulled back. Actually, it's called reverted and pulled back the publication before it hit the shelves, pulped it, just like that sounds, and therefore all of the uh, uh, publishing rights reverted back to O.J. or one of his entities. The minute I saw it was reverted, I we were able to what we call levy or seize the the book rights, and through a very, like a three-hour story, but I'll make it in, in one sentence, we're able to transfer those book rights by way of a court order to Fred. So Fred owned the book rights if I did it, and uh, we were lucky to find a publisher, and as a result of the publisher, we published the book in May of 2018, and it became a bestseller on the New York Times list. I don't know if it's an innovation or not, but you treated the book rights as an asset. Uh, 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 true, true to my nature, after three and a half years of insolvency, growing up in business, looking at financial statements, I recognized those book rights were an asset, just like a home or the cell phone in your hand or whatever it would be. Oh, that's it's an amazing story. And I'm curious to know, when collections in the States go to a lawyer, when someone comes with a collection to you, what have they gone through? That I get people who, who come to me with a, usually a, like a note or a bill or a contract. And then you've got to go through civil litigation to turn that into a, a judgment. And sometimes those cases settle. Sometimes they pay something. Sometimes they file bankruptcy. Some, you know, something happens here. The, the cases which, which are um, the seminal quest of life are when people come to me with the big judgment, the loss of life. Uh, for a family, uh, a sexual assault, 
which are just enormous here. They, uh, destruction of their property, destruction of their reputation, whatever it would be, you know, and we see some very, very scary judgments. So as a result, they come in and they usually say, the, the trial lawyers did a great job. They got me this big judgment. I don't know how to, they don't want to collect it. I think this person has this asset, this asset, this asset, or we don't know, or he's offshore, or it's a foreign country, you know, whatever it would be, you know, sometimes once in a blue moon we see that. And, and or they say the person, the day that we got the judgment, transferred everything to his dog, cat, wife, child, LLC, offshore entity, or something like that. The single biggest cause of bad debt write-offs is procrastination. With every day you wait, the chances of ever getting paid go down. At MetCredit, we get it. We collect business receivables fast. And if we don't succeed, you don't pay. Go to MetCredit.com and stop waiting for money you deserve. MetCredit, we get it. If you had advice for businesses to avoid uh having to hire you, which isn't a great thing for your business. But like, what are the kinds of things that businesses are missing that they really need to pay attention to in order to avoid litigation in terms of collections? There's a wonderful story I'll tell you. It runs like this. You know, these credit managers, the people who run credit for businesses, you know, they're called credit managers or CFOs, whatever you want to call it. And they, they have a lot of conventions every year. So uh, these two guys show up, and one guy turns to the other guy, and he said, hey, I got a credit, a, you know, credit application from one of your customers. The other guy says, yes. He says, it's so-and-so. The other guy says, yes. He said, it looks like a pretty good credit application. Yes. He said, you know, what can you tell me? He said, well, I know him a lot. I know about a lot about this guy. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, I know him better than than his mother knows him. You know, I know more than his mother knows him. He said, well, your mother knows everything about you. He said, no, I know more. He said, how's that? He said, his mother carried him for nine months, and I had to carry him for 10 months. <laughs> the first thing, if if somebody said, what are the three words you got? It's real easy. Know your customer. Know your customer. And under no set of facts could you not know enough. How's that? The second item is that frequently you have uh, middle management or low management being a credit manager. And sometimes they look at a credit application. It looks pretty good. They may make a call or two, and they approve it. They approve credit like $10,000 credit line or something like that. And and sometimes it may take a second set of eyes. They say, you know, how long is this guy in business? We need to pick up the phone and call him. We need to call some of the references, blah, blah, blah. So uh, sometimes they're just not really good reviews. But the real bottom line on this and the fault of many businesses is is they don't stop the problem. So you're going to sell, say, $20,000 worth of widgets. The terms are, you know, 210 net 30. Well, come 30, he doesn't pay. 35 days, 40 days, and and you're still selling the guy on the next cycle. So far, so good? Right. So first cycle, you sold 20 grand. Second cycle, you're still selling 20 grand, but he's in default, right? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of calls, we'll pay you, we'll pay you. And maybe, and maybe 
you get to a third cycle, cycle one, cycle two, and cycle three. Now, cycle three, you've been paid for two months, but you still have an open credit tap. So, so what happens is the disaster, which is now you have three rounds of product when in the end the guy doesn't pay. Well, what happened here? Why did you keep the credit tap open when the guy defaulted on the 31st day? Why? So I'm not saying you got to blame your cust- you got to blame the creditor, but uh, some of the it, there's a great expression in the securities business: your first loss is your best loss. The enemy, the bad guy, in many of these transactions isn't the, isn't your credit manager. And maybe not even your debtor, who, who who may have lost control of their business or might be slightly crooked or something. Mm-hmm. It's the salesperson. The salesperson is only getting paid on a commission. So the salesman is kind of not real aggressive about nudging the customer to pay or not nudging them or saying, don't worry about it. Because he or she is making great money on all of these sales. So I view, I view credit for businesses about 50% itself inflicted. Do you advise clients uh, or, and provide them contracts and language uh, for things like credit applications uh, and all things like that? Yeah. How, impor- all, all how, how important is that fine print? It's everything. The fine print, and, and, and people use the word fine print, but it prints print. Right. And and in some cases, if you don't have something in writing with some basic terms, you know, people are just committing commercial suicide. And, the, you know, let's go through some basic terms here. Credit apps say the following. Uh, a, you are the owner of the business, so we need a personal guarantee from you. That's an easy one. B, if we have to sue, you have to pay our attorney's fees. That's helpful. Three... In the invoice statement in the credit app, you want a rate of interest because you don't want to become a bank for this person, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Then you get terms where you say, if you want to terminate the account or terminate the guarantee, you've got to send it to us in writing. Then you have something a little fancier called a form selection clause, which says, hey, we get to sue you where we are, not where you are. How's that? So in so if you're if you're dealing with national sales and your vendor is in Los Angeles and the customer is in you know Arizona, you want to sue in California, not Arizona. And so your rights may be different. That's a really interesting point. Right. So I mean, you get into you get into the weeds, and and people say, ah, it doesn't sound important. Ah, it's just you know fine print, but I'm. I, as a lawyer, when we do collection work, meaning that we have to file a lawsuit, I'm the caboose on the train. Mm-hmm. Caboose, yeah. right? I get to say that. And <laughs> so I, so so the 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 CFO of the company or the credit guy said, "Hey, this thing went bad. They're not paying. We got to sue." And the first thing we say, "Well, do you have a contract with them? Do you have a credit app? You know, what are your terms and conditions?" And we look at them and say, "Well, that's the asset test. Where do we sue? Do we get fees? Do we get interest?" You know, what's, what's our venue here, and do we have a personal guarantee? And sometimes we're very surprised at the crap that passes for credit term. We, we looked at, we've, we've seen stuff over the years which we think is uh, poorly drafted, 
not up to date, doesn't apply with the law, misses a lot of terms, uh, not helpful, uh, things like that, and where we say, you know, this thing really should be uh, rewritten. The worst, the worst of the worst, the one that we always uh, kick kick back is where it says, well, if you don't pay, we go to arbitration. That is a disaster. And to, to, to the listeners here, arbitration means that instead of parties going to court and battling it out in front of the, uh, the person in the black robe, they hire a usually a retired judge or a lawyer who will sit in a private room, listen to everybody's, you know, complaints or whatever it would be, and then issues a arbitration award. That award is confirmed into a judgment. Why is that not a good idea? First of all, arbitrators and the arbitration entity charges thousands of dollars when the court's filing fees, 400 bucks usually. And if you don't like the arbitration's award, there's no right of appeal. An arbitrator sometimes can be a king. That's all for this episode of Overdue Advice. Thanks to David Cook, collection attorney, for his time and insights, and thank you for listening. Visit David Cook's website at cookcollectionattorneys.com. We'll have that in the episode notes. MetCredit is on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at MetCredit. In Canada, visit metcredit.com, and in the United States, visit metcreditusa.com. Visit the MetCredit blog by Brian Sommerfeld at blog.metcredit.com. It includes useful tools and calculators to assess your business debt risk. We want to hear from you. Like, subscribe, or leave a review, or share it with a friend or business associate. Drop us a line at overdueadvice at metcredit.com. Overdue Advice is the podcast about cash flow strategies to grow your business. Brought to you by MetCredit. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrea Schwabe. You run a business, you're successful. You don't wait for things to happen. You make them happen. So why aren't you collecting what's owed to you? The longer you wait, the less chance you'll ever see a cent. <laughs> so call Met Credit. We're your local debt recovery team, serving businesses of all sizes since 1973. And don't worry, we play nice. We're here to uphold your reputation and relationships. And speaking of nice, if we don't collect, you don't pay. Zero risk. Get to know us for when you need us at metcredit.com.